You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, September 13th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Today we are recapping the 2021 season opener for the New York Jets. The Jets fell to 0-1 yesterday as they were defeated in Charlotte by the Carolina Panthers by a final score of 19-14. Our episode today is brought to you by Locked On NFL Sunday. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth? Check out the Locked On NFL Sunday show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you are new to this show, this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes Monday through Friday each day. If you like what you hear, subscribe to Locked On Jets, where podcasts are found. We will deliver those new episodes to you as they are posted. And also give this show a five-star review. Helps us out quite a bit. Really do appreciate it. Well, as I mentioned, the Jets began their season yesterday with a loss to the Carolina Panthers. The final score was 19-14. to In many ways, it was a tale of two halves. The first half was miserable for the Jets. They looked every bit as bad as they were in 2020. In fact, it looked like we were on our way to another one of those embarrassing losses where they looked like they did not belong on the field with the opponent. The Jets then came back and played a pretty strong second half, but it was not enough to come back all the way, and they lose their season opener for the third straight year, and this is their fifth season opening loss in six years, and it's funny because prior to that streak, the Jets had played very well in season openers. They had a five-game winning streak prior to 2016, but now they've lost five out of six. The only victory in that stretch was the opener against Detroit three years ago. Now, the offense in particular was brutal in the first half. I don't think you can get off to a worse beginning offensively for a season than the Jets did yesterday. Now, on the first drive, Zach Wilson did complete a seven-yard pass to Ryan Griffin. It was his first career completion. So Ryan Griffin will now be the answer to a Jets trivia question. He will live on in franchise lore, which, of course, is what Ryan Griffin deserves. But... It was ugly watching the end of that first series. The Jets took a false start penalty. They took a sack where nobody blocked Brian Burns. The only player who was in the area was Ty Johnson, who did not block Burns. But I can't imagine Ty Johnson's job was to block Burns. Why would you ever put a running back on Brian Burns? Then the Jets, on the third and 23 after the sack, tried to screen to Michael Carter, but he dropped it. It, it was ugly. Fortunately for the Jets, the defense showed up in the first half, at least to some extent. Jets got the ball back, though, and they went three and out. Not only, did, not only did they go three and out, they took an illegal procedure penalty as Elijah Moore covered the tight end. I'm not sure whether Moore was supposed to be behind the line or the tight end was, but the Jets had an illegal formation in this stretch. 
And then they took a delay of game penalty on the punt. And then the punt turned into what seemed like a disaster because guy got blocked into Braden Mann. Braden Mann left the game with an injury. So the Jets lose their punter in the first quarter. But then Matt Amendola, the kicker, comes out and nails a 50-yard punt. And this was like one of the surprising stories of the day. Matt Amendola did a phenomenal job as a punter. The Jets may have found a new punter yesterday. It's their place kicker, Matt Amendola, because he was just drilling punts all over the field during this game. I mean, you may remember if you're a Jets fan, there was a playoff game in 2009 where Steve Weatherford had to be scratched at the last minute and Jay Feely came in and Feely just got the ball in the air and people were praising him. But Matt Amendola was just drilling punts all day long and he needed to punt a lot because the Jets offense wasn't doing a whole lot. But Amendola had a 65 yarder later on in the game. He averaged 48.5 yards per punt. It was amazing what Matt Amendola did. And again, the Jets needed it because they weren't doing much on offense. However, the defense kept them in the game. Uh, the Panthers were able to eventually put together an 11-play drive to get into scoring range, but they ended up not putting any points on the board. There was a fumble on fourth down. Sam Darnold ran into the fullback earlier in the drive. Darnold missed an open receiver in the end zone. I mean, that was Sam. There were a couple of miscues by Sam in the red zone, and the Jets kept kept themselves in the game. It was scoreless through the first quarter, but then Zach Wilson threw a brutal interception, and I've been saying it for months now. There are going to be moments where Zach Wilson looks terrible. And Zach Wilson had some rough moments in this game. I think there were points in this game where Wilson did look like he was a little overwhelmed by the moment. Now, we'll get to it a little bit later. There were also some very good moments for Zach Wilson in this game. But the Panthers, again, kind of failed to take advantage. They had to settle for a field goal. They got the ball on the Jets' 32-yard line. Again, Sam kind of stared down a receiver in the end zone. They had to settle for three. However, on the next series, the Jets actually put together a little bit of a drive that got into Carolina territory, but Tevin Coleman was stopped on a fourth down and one from the Carolina 42. Early in this drive, right after Zach's interception, he almost threw a second one. I mean, it was there were some rough moments for Zach in this game. And on the very next play after, the, after they got stuffed, Sam hit Robbie Anderson for a 57-yard touchdown. You kind of felt like it was coming, and... It was not the corners who were at fault. It was actually kind of a safety breakdown. LaMarcus Joyner had to leave the game with an injury, and taking his spot was Sheldrick Redwine, and Robbie faked him out of his shoes. I thought that was a really good play call by Joe Brady, the Carolina offensive coordinator. He got the matchup he wanted. You know Robbie's a great deep route runner. He got him matched up against the Jets' backup safety. It was a mismatch. I thought Marcus May also may have had some blame there because it looked like Robbie ran into May's zone, and May was really nowhere to be. I'm going to be interested to watch that on the film because Redwine has a lot of the blame there, but I feel like May also may have had some of the blame. Anyway, Jets got it back, and that, you know that, at this point, they're in some trouble. They're down 9 to nothing. Carolina missed the, the extra point, but they go three and out quickly. Wilson takes a sack. And then on the next series, the Panthers put together a seven play 62 yard drive. Another really good play call by Joe Brady Uh, on the goal line. They went empty and then they called a quarterback draw. The jets had nobody to counter with it. So it's 16 to nothing at halftime. And the second half begins. The jets do nothing. Now I'll say this. The jets defense came to play in the second half. They were dominated in the trenches in the early going of this game but they began to generate a little bit more pressure in the second half on Sam. They were playing effectively in the back. And I have to say this about the Jets, and we'll talk more about this later. The corners, who seemed like a big question mark entering this game, I thought held up pretty well. In fact, the only play where they were really beaten badly, the Jets were, that was the safeties. It wasn't the corners. But eventually, 
once we got into the third deep a little bit deeper into the third quarter the Jets put together a, a drive and it was capped by Zach Wilson's first career touchdown pass and it was a it was a nice play Wilson moved to his right he, he was a little bit he was trying to evade pressure and he found Corey Davis for a touchdown now there was a bad there was some bad news on that play because Mackay Becton got hurt and Becton had to be carted off the field he was very emotional some early reports suggest that the injury may not be as bad as feared which would be a good thing because as we're going to discuss later the offensive line was a big issue in this game for the Jets however the defense was not able to make it stand the Jets scored that touchdown they also converted a two-point conversion on a Wilson zone read so it was 16 to 8 late in the third quarter Jets were within a score however the defense was not able to stand up Carolina put together a 12 play drive that ended in a 29 yard field goal to make it 19 to 8 then down a couple scores in the fourth quarter Wilson hit some big passes Uh, he found Braxton Berrios for a 25 yard gain then he hit Denzel Mims for a 40 yard gain and that was the, like the first time Mims had, that series was the first time Mims had been on the field all game. Despite the fact Jamison Crowder and Keelan Cole were not playing, Jets were down two receivers. They did not put Mims in the game until the fourth quarter, and Wilson then hit him for a 40-yard gain. Now, it wasn't a spectacular play by, by Mims by any stretch of the imagination. It was more one of those routes that just took him to where the opening was. But Wilson hit him, and then Wilson hit Corey Davis for his second touchdown pass of the game to make it 19-14. to However... Jets defense was not able to get a stop on the ensuing series and the Panthers were able to run out the clock the big play was an 18 yard run by Christian McCaffrey who had a monster game and that was it the Jets fall to Carolina 19 to 14 now if you were picking with your heart in one of your football pools yesterday and you picked the Jets to win you may have gotten off to a bad start in the 2021 season and there's nothing we can do about that but we can help you run your pool football season is back so let's make the most of it with a better way to create your custom pool at runyourpool.com the premier sports pool hosting service run your pool makes it ridiculously easy to run a football pool with friends families or office mates even though you may have to hear about it if you pick the jets run your pool offers dozens of formats including survivor pick'em squares confidence pools 33 and more run your pool hosts formats for nfl and college football with one week game so if you pick the jets you have another opportunity next week to do a little bit better full season playoffs or the super bowl unlike other fantasy platforms run your pool has options and settings to make it your own you can even brand your pool with for your local business bar or restaurant reconnect with friends and join nearly two million football fans to make every game action-packed this season Check them out today and get $10 off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use our promo code locked on at checkout. Anywhere, everywhere in the world, Run Your Pool helps friends and colleagues compete. The NFL season has begun. Start today at runyourpool.com slash locked on and have your pool up and running in minutes. Runyourpool.com slash locked on. This is the Locked On Jets podcast recapping the season opening defeat. The Jets lost yesterday to the Carolina Panthers. The final score was 19 to 14 in Charlotte. It was a disappointing beginning to the 2021 season, but I think we need to put this season in context. In football and really in professional sports, there's this tendency to try and explain away losing teams will always claim that they're rebuilding if they aren't good. And sometimes that's not the case. 
A perfect example has been the Jets the last couple of years. I mean, we've heard the rebuilding word used in 2018, 2019, 2020. Here's the thing, though. The Jets were not really rebuilding in those years. All three of those years, the Jets were older than the average team if you look at average roster age. It was just one of those things the Jets were trying to use to explain away the losing. They were trying to use it as an excuse. This year, they had, at the point of the cutdowns, the youngest roster in the NFL. This team is actually committed to a rebuild. See, like 2018, Todd Bowles couldn't. Todd Bowles could not say he was rebuilding. He was coaching for his job. He needed immediate results. 2019, Jets actually had the third oldest roster in the league on opening day. They had just spent a record amount of money in free agency. They hired Adam Gase. One of the reasons they gave for hiring Adam Gase was that Gase was an experienced coach. He would not need time to adjust to the job. He'd be he would be able to hit the ground running. And last year, of course, Gase really needed a win. He needed to win to save his job. The Jets may have claimed that they were rebuilding, but that was just an excuse. They were trying to explain away the losing. This year, the Jets really have committed to a rebuild because they have so many young players at so many key spots. You have a new coach who is a rookie head coach. You have a rookie offensive coordinator. You have a rookie quarterback. You have first and second year players all across the starting lineup. That means that there are going to be growing pains. That means that it's going to take time to get there. We have no idea whether or not Joe Douglas and Robert Sala will ultimately be successful as they try and build this into a winner. But one thing I will tell you, even if they are successful, it's going to take time. It took Robert Sala and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch a couple of years to get things going in San Francisco. They inherited a similar situation 49ers that year had earned the second pick in the NFL draft. They were an organization known for their dysfunction. In fact, one thing that was interesting that I looked up yesterday, their first game was against the Carolina Panthers. They lost by 20. They got crushed by the Panthers in that first game. So as much as you want to win, and listen, we need to see progress this year. The Jets win two games this year. Jets win three games this year. This season is a failure. But as much as we want to see positive results, and listen, yesterday's game was disappointing. You have to keep it in context. The Jets are at the beginning of their build. And I'm not a big moral victory guy in the NFL. I think the the score matters. I think your record matters. But I will say this. I did like the way the Jets performed in the second half. I thought that the defense in particular really came to play. Now, listen, they had some moments where they could have gotten a key stop. If they had gotten a key three and out, that would have given the offense a chance to do some things, but I, I liked what I saw from the defense. Now, Quinton Williams, I don't think played particularly well. He was a guy the Jets, I think, needed to have a big impact. Even though the defense only gave up 19, if Quinton Williams gets out there and makes some impact plays, you know, he, he creates pressure up the middle, maybe you force a big mistake out of Sam. Maybe that changes the game. So Quinton Williams did not play well. I, I was not sure Sheldon Rankins played that well. John Franklin Myers made a few plays. But overall, I was pretty happy with the defensive effort. And you saw the philosophy come into play. You know, I mentioned how Sam missed some missed some guys in the red zone. There were some open receivers he did not see. Well, that partially plays into the philosophy of this defense. Robert Sala runs a Pete Carroll, Monty Kiffin, Gus Bradley, Dan Quinn type of defense. The entire philosophy of this defense is a little bit different from what you're used to with a Rex Ryan or a Todd Bowles or a Greg Williams. It's not so much an attack-style defense. It's essentially keep things in front of us. Don't give up the big play, which they did aside from that big play to Robbie. 
But aside from that, they were able to mostly limit the big plays. And the whole philosophy is that if you don't give up the big play, you force the offense to put together 10, 11 play drives to score. And those are tough to do because it's difficult to execute on 11 straight plays. And eventually you'll get to a point where even the best quarterback, and we know Sam is not the best quarterback, but even the best quarterback is going to misfire or he's going to misread the defense. He's not going to throw a ball he should throw. And you'll be able to get out of there. And that's what the defense did. And again, these corners, I think, played pretty well for being maybe the biggest question mark, the biggest weakness on paper entering this game. I was encouraged by how these corners held up. I thought they did a pretty effective job. And listen, you want to win. I was here on Friday telling I can't deny it. I was here on Friday telling you I was hoping the Jets would win. I thought that they had a shot. I picked them to win did not happen. It was a miserable first half, but there are some positives you can take. And you can also talk about Zach Wilson. And there's no doubt about it. This was not a perfect game for Zach Wilson. Listen, there were moments where he looked like he was in over his head. He, there were moments where he really looked overwhelmed. That interception, it was an ugly interception. And of course, that's going to happen. He, rookie quarterback first game, we're going to have moments like that. And he came right back out after the interception, almost threw another one, threw a very high risk pass. And the Jets had some issues on the offensive line. We'll get to that. But Zach Wilson took some sacks you can't take. He took some hits you can't take. And he fumbled. He one of them, on one of them he fumbled. That said, and this is there are there are a couple of things that I really look for in a quarterback. There are a couple of things that really tell me whether or not you got a shot to be good in this league. One of the things I look at is when everything has gone wrong in the game, can you shake that off? Can you shake it off when you make a big mistake that costs your team? Can you shake it off when your offensive line is not protecting you and you're getting constantly hit? And Wilson did that. He put together two pretty impressive touchdown drives. And there were some really special plays in this game by Zach Wilson, a couple of which fell incomplete. There were a couple of plays early in the game where he evaded pressure, threw a deep ball that was kind of, you know, mostly on target. One was a deep ball to Corey Davis. Davis could not come up with it. Another was a deep ball to Elijah Moore. Moore could not come up with it. Moore should have caught that one. That one hit him in the hands. It was a tight window throw. Moore should have caught it. And Moore had a rough game. For a guy who got as much buzz in training camp, he really did nothing in this game. And you know maybe that's him recovering from some injuries that he suffered. Hopefully he'll be better going forward. Moore was a disappointment. But again, Wilson came out, especially in the second half, shook off the struggles, shook off all the hits, and led the team to a couple touchdown drives. It was the, the greatest performance you've ever seen week one from a rookie quarterback? No. But lots of rookie quarterbacks struggled a bit yesterday. I think that there are some encouraging things you can take from Zach Wilson from this game. And if you want to know something else that's encouraging, let's talk about Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. 
Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we're going to talk about the offensive line, and that unit needs to get its act together. And maybe those guys should have some Built Bars. Built Bars, the best tasting protein bar on the market. There are nine delicious flavors, something for everybody. And if you haven't tried all the flavors yet and you're curious, you can get a mixed box where you get two each of all nine flavors. But not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. So go to BuiltBar.com and use LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, no space, it's one word, 15% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. And here on the Locked On Jets podcast today, we are talking about the 19-14 to season opening loss to the Carolina Panthers. The number one culprit in this game for the New York Jets was the offensive line. It was a horrendous performance by this unit. We saw the Jets make moves this offseason. This unit was supposed to be better. This unit should have been better. That was a very disturbing performance by this line. If this line doesn't play better, this is going to be a very long season, and this is not going to be a successful season. That was a totally unacceptable performance by that by that group. I don't know why George Fant was starting for the Jets in this game at right tackle. The coaching staff went with Fant over Morgan Moses. Fant was the worst of the offensive linemen, at least on the first viewing. Maybe I'll rewatch the game and see, and I'll change my mind. When Moses went into the game, and that happened because Mekhi Becton left with an injury, as we mentioned, on the Zach Wilson touchdown pass, the first one to Corey Davis, Fant moved to left tackle. It seemed like the offensive line worked better with Moses at right tackle, but I don't think anybody played well. Elijah Vera Tucker, who of course missed time in preseason, I don't think he looked very good. I think Becton had some struggles in this game. Connor McGovern wasn't Van Roach. I mean, nobody played well in this unit. Jets got dominated in the trenches in this game. Unacceptable. You can't win like that. I mean, you're putting Zach Wilson through what Sam Darnold went through, and that was one of the issues. One of the reasons Wilson looked overwhelmed at points during this game, and there were some good moments where he shook it off, but he wasn't getting any help. It looked like Sam, and that's not acceptable with the caliber of players we have on this team now. I don't know what happened. I don't know why the Jets, listen, Carolina's got a decent defensive line, and I know Vera Tucker missed time, which impacts him in a couple of ways. First of all, you know he did not get preseason reps, which are always important for a rookie. And you also lose some continuity on the offensive line, throwing a new guy in there right before the beginning of the season. The Jets just got dominated up front. It's just unacceptable. I, I don't know what to say. That that better be a one-week thing. It's Sometimes that happens. This is what we call overreaction week in the NFL, where people assume that what happened week one is now automatically going to happen for the rest of the season. And it doesn't always play out that way. You know, sometimes players just have a bad game. If you have a bad game in October, people look at it and say it's a bad game. When you have a bad game week one, people panic because it's the only thing they've seen all year. That said, an offense can't move the ball when they're performing like this. And Michael LaFleur is getting some grief, the new offensive coordinator for his play calling. The Jets tried to establish the run early in the game. And I, I'm going to be interested to rewatch this game to look at some of the concepts he ran. I do think that there are some things you can question with the offensive game plan. You know, I, with more struggling to get going, could the Jets have done more to manufacture touches for their rookie second round pick? They have given, they've tried one jet sweep that didn't really work for him, but could they have tried to get him more involved in the screen game? And the distribution of targets was just weird because you had Braxton Berrios tied with Corey Davis at seven targets. Then you had Ryan Griffin and Tyler Croft 
right behind them. I don't understand that. And I'm not sure whether that was game plan. I'm not sure whether that was the read, the reads Wilson was making. I'm not sure. Maybe the receivers just weren't getting open. That was weird. The one thing I can't get on Mike LaFleur, though, is trying to establish the run because they couldn't protect Wilson. So you can't put your quarterback in a situation where you're dropping back on every single play because then the defensive line can just fire up the field. They don't have to worry about the run. They don't have to, you know, even the threat of the run at least forces them to slow down maybe a half step to make sure they're not handing the ball off. You couldn't put Wilson in a situation where you're doing nothing but throwing the ball given the, their lack of protection. And the Jets are a team that is supposed to be built up. The run is supposed to be the Jets' identity. Identity. This is no secret. Beyond that, it was a hot day in Carolina. And when you commit to the run, you are at times acknowledging, you know what, even if I get stopped, this is maybe losing the battle to win the war. Because even if you're taking two-yard gains now, you, when you get to the fourth quarter, the defense will be tired. The problem for the Jets is that by the time they got to the fourth quarter, and they actually began to break a few big runs in the fourth quarter, but they were so far behind. There were a couple scores down when they had the ball that they couldn't really take full advantage of that. And that goes back to the offensive line. You know, I, again, I'm going to rewatch this and maybe I'll have more criticisms from Mike LaFleur. And I think it's fair to question some of the aspects of the game he called. But this goes back to the offensive line. The offensive line was not good enough. If these guys don't perform better, it's going to be a long season. And we're not going to see the progress we want to see. And that I think that was disappointing. And that, to me, was the biggest disappointment in this game because that unit should have been better. And part of it may, may have been personnel. They may have been picking George Fant over Morgan Moses because Fant was awful in this game. And it just can't continue. It just can't. Because that looked like the 2019, the 2020 offensive line. Guys have got to get their act together. That's all there is to it. And it's so frustrating to wait this long for Jets football and watch them get so dominated in the trenches. It just should not have happened. And hopefully these guys get their act together. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a good Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.